0: Good day, dear listeners, Steve Preda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And today I'm talking with David St. German, the founder and CEO of Cactus Credit that helps people improve their credit profiles and elite entrepreneur, a business coaching program. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Really appreciate
0: it. Uh, great to have you. So, David, let's start with your entrepreneurial journey. How did you get to the point where you started the Cactus Credit and now the Elite Entrepreneur Program? What what road led you to this point?
1: So I I started off uh, quite young, having an entrepreneurial mindset. My mother was an entrepreneur as well, so I kind of knew that I wanted to do something, run my own business, run my own show, so to speak. And uh, early on in my early 20s, I just started bumbling into things and not having much success at all, as entrepreneurs sometimes do and and just trying different things over and over and over again. And uh, it was really through a lot of trial and error and a lot of study. So at the same time, I was 23 years old, when I started really getting into it, and I just started reading lots of books and then uh, trying lots of different things and and uh, had some sales jobs, along the way and that kind of helped accelerate stuff because I had money to throw into businesses that weren't working. So uh, that was kind of my journey to start and then that kind of evolved over a long period of time. and then I I, I founded a, a marketing consulting company, uh, just a very small sort type of niche niche um, marketing consulting company uh, then went on to found a lead generation company and grew that business uh, really from nothing, less than nothing because I owed a lot of money, uh, from zero to about 14 million in annual sales uh, over a five-year period. And then from that business came Cactus Credit, which is a credit rebuilding and and sort of a debt settlement type of business. Mm -hmm. It, It sort of burst that business because in the lead gen business, I was dealing with subprime customers uh, for auto dealerships. So at the peak, I had almost 700 car dealerships as clients. And a lot of the people that were applying on our websites were subprime. They didn't have great credit. They had a lot of debt. So I already had the customer. And so I I was creating a a company to do something else with that same customer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of how it, it started. It built that business off the back of the other one.
0: So that's a, that's a great segue because what I wanted you to talk about is this concept, this framework that you developed called turning a customer into two. Yes, and it's maybe that's different from what you described because you are you have one customer and maybe you double the business for that in two different companies. Yes, and maybe that's the same thing. So can you can you share this concept?
1: This is uh, one of my favorite concepts, Steve, and uh, I love this concept because it can really double a company's revenue in a very short period of time, literally double it. And you are absolutely right on that concept being uh, what I did with the uh, lead generation business and then creating another business because I already had the customer. So my customer acquisition costs was at that time it was zero. Now we, we do a lot of other things. We do paid ads and things, but when it started, my customer acquisition costs was zero. So I had a, you know, a great time for a lot of years with big profit margins. But so the, the idea with turning one customer into two is that as business owners, you know, getting a customer, you know, getting that first customer is, is kind of one of the hardest things in business, you know, to get that customer. So once you have the customer, you want to maximize the revenue that you get from that customer. And so many businesses just fail to understand the concept or maybe just don't even think about it. It's never occurred. Uh, but some businesses do do this very well and some businesses don't. And I'll give you a couple of stories to illustrate that. So. Uh, from someone that didn't do it well. So last Sunday, I went to the barbershop and I'm sitting in the barbershop chair and I'm unshaven and I'm running errands. It's a Sunday afternoon. And so I'm sitting there and I'm getting my haircut from the barber, but he could have noticed that I'm unshaven and said, hey, congratulations. You came on a great day today, David. We have $5 off the hot shave and the hot towel service. And we can go ahead with that real quick before your haircut. And at that time I would have said yes, because I was not doing anything. I was, it was Sunday. I'm no rush. exactly. I'm not in a rush. I'm just running errands. I'm just going here, going there. So at that time he could have turned me into, from a haircut customer, into a haircut customer and a hot shave customer. And he could have turned that $30 sale from the haircut into a $60 sale. And then he could have walked me to the counter and said, also, we have $5 off the men's hair products over here and just start walking over there. And I would have sort of just followed him. Yeah. And then he could have got me to pick out something. Right. And then he would have had me as three customers. Yep. So now I was a haircut customer, I was a hot shave customer, and a men's hair care product customer. And so every business has something like this that they can do an immediate upsell to increase revenue.
0: So what is the process for discovering this immediate upsell? Is there a process for that to structure to think about it in a structured way? Yes. Or maybe to have a checklist of different types of situations that you can you can verify against your business to say, okay, here is how I do it.
1: Yes. So you want to look for what is the problem that you've created for your customer because of what you just sold them? So Mm -hmm. what's the what's the what's the problem that they have now that you can solve? So in my barbershop example, the problem was. I had a great haircut but i was unshaven so that's not that doesn't look good so he created uh, the problem he created by giving me a great haircut was that i looked great here but i wasn't i wasn't looking good
0: here there's a contrast now Now the beard was the 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 bottleneck basically yes
1: (laughs) yes that's right so he could have immediately solved that problem for me Uh and added value so it's it's like a, another value add based on what just happened. I'll give you another example of someone, a business that does do this. So last weekend, also in my running errands, I walk into the Apple store and I'm buying a new iPhone for my girlfriend. And so we get in there and we're you know being helped and she's picking out the iPhone that she wants. And so she gets it and the guy comes over with the thing. And then right away he says, oh, okay. And we'll just get you on the apple care for that. And, you know, I tell him, no, I used to say yes all the time, but I, I know what the deal is with it. It doesn't do anything in my opinion, <laughs> it does yeah. it's, it's a hundred percent profit yeah. for apple a hundred percent.
0: Yeah.
1: But everybody in the Apple Store is trained to upsell the Apple Care. Yeah, and no matter what happens, they're always tacking on that extra service. Now they position it well. I mean, if something happens to your phone, if you lose it, if it goes down the toilet, you can come back and we'll give you a new one. But you know, nobody ever comes back and gets a new one.
0: Or right? even if you go back, if you don't buy it because I I didn't buy it, and then I could still Get them on the phone, and they still help me. Of or course, they walk in uh, to the Genius Bar, and they still help me. It was just I had to dig. I think uh, one minute more for the phone number. That was the difference. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so they do it well. So, uh, I, I, I got this. I, I love this concept of, okay, what is the position you put this customer into, which now allows them to take advantage of another. Offer. maybe maybe that's another way to frame this. yes okay so 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 that that's a great one uh, to move over. So let's switch some gears here. So I I read the, your book uh, which I highly recommend by the way uh, zero to hero which which came out a couple of months ago and there was yes. some really interesting uh, concept that I wanted to ask you about. So one of the things that you talk about is that business owners should stop thinking about what's possible, and should shift their focus on what is probable. So, so what is this, what is it all about? Because I always thought that, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, everything is possible and be a visionary and, and think big. And so, so we are prone to going after this possible thing and the the new, new, big, new thing, kind of on the edge of, of what's available. And your concept is kind of twisted this sit around. So what do you mean by focusing on the probable?
1: So focus on the probable. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. And I'll give you some examples of that. But I like all the stuff about, you know, thinking big and, and dreaming and all, all this stuff as well. So there, there's a place for that for sure. Um, but there's also a place where uh, as entrepreneurs, we want to, make money, and we want to be smart about the risk that we take. And so if there is a path for something that has worked in the past, has worked over here, has worked for years and years and years, I'd rather do that than try to to invent something that, is it going to work? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work or not. But if, if there's a proven path, if there's a beaten path before me, I'd rather take that path than try to wander off into the woods and discover a new oasis somewhere. Yes, uh, The chances of success go way up if you are following proven principles and concepts and ideas and, and strategies that you can follow rather than then try to invent your own. And then when you've got, you know, a few hundred million in the bank, then go invent something. Eh? I mean, then you can afford to to spend the money
0: on that. So the way I look at this, I, uh, the way I frame this is uh, you want to innovate, but you don't want to innovate too much. Right. So I like to think of it as if if I only take one step from where I am, I'm on the right path. If I have to take two steps, Uh, I'm going to be two steps removed from the business I know, that I've experienced with, the customers I know, that I'm taking an undue risk. Right. That's how I frame it. So, for example, uh, when I moved here, moved to America, I had an investment banking business. And the first step for me was to create a subsidiary of my investment banking here. So in my mind, I was just doing the same business, just in a different geographic environment. And now, obviously, that was much more different than I thought. But at least uh, I, I could mentally manage the transition. And then from there, I took another step towards business coaching. I was in the same environment at that point and maybe the same customers, but I could do something else. So that's how I frame it. But definitely good advice. Now, the other thing, I, I uh, which is a good uh, segue here, is what you talk about is how important the environment is. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean if let's say if I'm a startup company does it mean I have to move to the valley to be in the right uh, kind of environment or or what do you mean by the environment and how do how does a, a business owner create the right environment?
1: Environment is extremely important. So you can create the environment but you need to assess where you're at at the stage of the entrepreneurial journey that you're at. So for example, if you are You know, let's say 20 years ago, I'm 23. I want to start a technology company. Should I stay in Wyoming or should I move to Silicon Valley? I should definitely move to Silicon Valley or Austin, Texas, or (laughs) somewhere where there's a tech hub. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Why is it important? Because the the people that you're you're going to meet the mentors that you're going to meet the the mindset of the people around you so if you are talking about building a one billion dollar technology company based off this one idea in silicon valley people are going to listen they're going to their minds are open to that because they've seen it they've been a part of it they've experienced it Mm -hmm. but if you're in a small town in idaho People have not seen that. They have not done it. They have not experienced. So the advice that you're going to get is going to be not as great and probably counterproductive to the advice that you're going to get if you're hanging out in coffee shops and restaurants in San Jose, California, with people that work at Google and Facebook and all these other companies. That the talk is going to be different. The reference experience. That you get from understanding how it works. So when people want to be a movie star, they should move to Hollywood. Right. Because you're going to run into producers, directors, you're going to run into other actors, you're going to gain experience from talking with them. So it the environment plays a, a huge part of it. Now, for today, we can we have more advantages today, frankly, than we did many years ago. But Depending on what business you're in, there are definite moves that that you should consider.
0: yeah it's it's so amazing how the environment impacts people. Uh, when I, When I moved to the US, I had this experience. Uh, I, I moved from from Budapest, Hungary, and my experience was that the business meeting in Budapest took one hour. If I went down to Transylvania, which is the Hungarian-speaking part of uh, Romania, a business meeting there was three hours in Bucharest. It was two hours. Same same content. I moved to uh, Richmond. It was ha- uh, in Virginia would take half an hour to conduct the same business meeting. If I went up to New York, fifteen minutes. It <laughs> yeah. was the same business meeting with the same contact and the same impact. One place was fifteen minutes. The other thing, three hours. Yeah, that was just the environment. Yes. So uh, so let's let's move on. So you have a really interesting couple of concept concepts around goal setting which which I like. And one of the things that really resonated with me is when you say that you okay you pick a goal, but then you have to match the effort to the goal. So give me an example and and what does it mean and how do I know how much effort really I do I have to have to uh, generate in order to achieve that goal.
1: Yeah. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. So I like martial arts and I take jiu-jitsu classes. But I'm a hobbyist uh, for jujitsu. So mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't care about winning a world championship. I don't care about being the best in the world. I just want a little bit of exercise and I like it. I like watching it and I like doing it. But my goal is not to be to make money from it or to be world champion. So I go two or three times a week consistently, but that's good enough for the effort based on my goal of just wanting to get a bit of exercise. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, if I was trying to be world champion, I would have to be there twice a day, every day, seven days a week. There is no way that you can get to the highest level in that sport without that type of effort. And I know that because I watch interviews of people that are at the highest level of that and it's the same thing with anything else that that you want to do so when i was just getting out of high school i was a professional musician and so at that time i was um becoming a pretty good guitar player like but i was spending about four hours a day practicing and that type of level is what it takes to become a great guitar now i didn't continue down that path But how I got to that number is because my private guitar teacher said that that's what he was practicing. Mm -hmm. And that's what it took to get up to the highest level. So if you're trying, it depends on how high you want to rise in the discipline that you're pursuing. And it should be based up. Now, that's why I recommend to people to really be honest with what you want to pursue.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Because I wouldn't say, oh, I want to be world jujitsu champion, and then just try to go an hour a week and be delusional with myself. I want to say, this is the purpose that I'm doing X. And if I know the purpose that I'm doing X, I can match my effort. And if I miss a couple of jujitsu classes, that's okay, because my main pursuit is business. So that needs to be Where, what's most important in my life and the most amount of effort in my life?
0: Yeah, and and you probably cannot focus on two major things at the same time. My dad always used to say that you cannot ride two horses with one ass. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) right, I like that one, (laughs) I like
0: that, Steve. So, uh, so, so connect continuing on the topic of goals, you talk about building a goal achieving system yes so let's say you want to become that world champion martial arts fighter yes then what's going to be your system to achieve that goal give me an example
1: so so creating a system around the goal is is mapping out your daily and weekly activity so you know what you're doing and that system then takes you towards your goal So you don't have to focus on the goal. You focus on the system. Mm -hmm. What am I doing daily? What am I doing weekly that will lead me to where I want to go to? So if I'm trying to be a martial arts world champion, what does that look like in my daily activity? Well, it's probably going to the gym, doing some cardiovascular uh, uh, training. Uh, it's, it's instruction from group classes, probably private instruction. It's a lot of sleep. It's a lot of nutrition. It's a lot of, you know, other things that I can build into that system. And so I, wherever I want to go, what needs to happen? Who do I need to become in order to achieve that goal? And then I build a system down to the day because the, the routine, the habits, they build. They build us, as you know, and so I'm creating that that system to take me wherever it is that I want to go.
0: Love it. Well, you definitely came a long way based on what I read in the book, but I'm not going to spill the beans because uh, listeners should be going out and reading that book. I appreciate so it's, it. Uh, it's zero to hero. I mean, available on Amazon, and uh, it's it's a really great book. It just came out, so it doesn't have a, an awful lot of reviews yet, but it will in a few months and uh, definitely uh, check it out. Where else can listeners connect with you, David?
1: Uh, they can connect with me on my website. It's davidstg.com So davidstg.com And uh, also I'm on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram and uh, and on Facebook. So, so I'm around.
0: Okay. So David St. Germain, the founder and CEO of the Elite Entrepreneur Business Coaching Program. So definitely check him out, uh, davidstg.com and read his book as well on Amazon. Thank you, David, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it.